0: Hi, my name is Cecil Castellucci, and I'm here on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast.
1: Have you ever been to Disneyland? Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. Wow, well, we didn't even have a house phone, not to mention laser discs, high-def TV.
0: You are listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the
1: show, I weigh in on everything. I see everything every step of the way. Um, so I'm really just excited for them to see all of them, see where they're heading. Like They all get more interesting as they go on, too, all of them. I would hope
2: so. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors.
3: You get to go to these things all the time, Jamie, that I don't get to go to, like Comic-Cons and, you know, press trips. Just because you live I, in America, I, I'm right for... No, I'm <laughs> just joking. That's. I think it's awesome that you get to go do this stuff. And part of it is you get to talk to people like Gerard Way, you know, like in what world did you like think about before you started your podcast, anything, did you think you'd be sitting down with Gerard Way to talk about stuff?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I say that pretty much every week. It's like a weekly basis. Like I was like, I look at the calendar of who we've had and who we've got coming up and who's scheduled. And I was like, how, how is this my life? You know, I remember there was that week, Within two days of each other, we right. had Chuck Polinick and Joe Hill, yeah. both on the same yeah. – um, oh, spoiler alert, Joe Hill. We haven't actually aired him yet, we but yes.
3: announced <laughs> it, but we're going to be playing <laughs> it.
0: No, but there you go. There you go, Joe um, Hill. These are our Halloween episode. So, uh, yeah, I was looking at the calendar and I was like, how did this become my life where I'm talking to those two guys like within two days of each other? And yeah. then that's just icing on the cake of a ton of other great interviews that we've done. So, yeah, it's it, – I don't take it for granted, um, and I know you don't either. So no. it's it's an incredible opportunity. You know, we've said this before. We don't do this for money. Obviously, no. we're not making anything. <laughs> we don't. We don't. If you've listened to us, we don't have sponsors. We don't have advertising. We don't. We don't do anything like that. And that's. I mean, it's partly a choice, really. It's yes. because we're just we we're not doing this to rely on anything, and we're just <laughs> having fun. And. Uh, we haven't felt the need to sort right. of crowd in on the show and on the content that people tune in to listen mm-hmm. for with any of that other stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, 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 go to a few shows this year, especially was pretty big cause I got to both San Diego and right. New York. Right. Um, but New York was a few weekends ago now, three weekends ago, I think mm-hmm. New York Comic Con. And uh, it's not my favorite show of the year just because of, the venue, really. It's it's a huge show in terms of people, uh, depending on how you count. Um, some people say it's as big as or bigger than San Diego in terms of attendance. Um, but the venue in New York, the Javits Center is the biggest place that can hold a show like this in New York City. Um But it's not it does not have the greatest layout so there's a lot of funnels there's a lot of bottlenecks there's a lot of thousands of people trying to go up and down (laughs) escalators at the same time um (laughs) this year they did really expand out a bit they had some events in the hammerstein ballroom they had some events at uh madison square garden which was nice so i got over there for a panel um for a couple panels actually and um and uh, there were a couple of the Book Con, which is usually a separate event, but they had another, it was just like two blocks away from the Javits Center. Okay. They had some book related uh, panels there, and that's where the Star Wars uh, Writers Roundtable was there. Uh, but I did get an opportunity to um, go to the DC booth this year and got to chat with Gerard Way and Nick Darrington. Um, They are the creative team currently working on Doom Patrol. um, But Gerard is the creative supervisor, creator, puppet master, evil mastermind genius of uh, the young animal imprint. And if you don't know what that is, um, we talked about it before when we had Cecil Castellucci on the show, because she is writing Shade the Changing Girl, and that's one of the other launch titles for Young Animal. Um, Young Animal, it could probably be best described as, you know, 90s Vertigo for 2016. Um, If you were a fan of Vertigo titles back in the day, uh, Shade the Changing Man, uh, Sandman, um, Preacher, those those. You know, uh, more adult-oriented, risk-taking titles. Uh, they're really trying to do something very similar with Young Animal. Jardway uh, had almost complete creative freedom over putting together the teams and the books and the stories. And um, I-, I should know these off the top of my head. Um, but but Shade, the Changing Girl, it's mm-hmm. Doom Patrol, it's Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, and Mother Panic. So those are the four launch titles um, and they're being very cagey about whether they're going to have other titles or whether it's just going to be these four. They've been calling Young Animal a quote unquote pop up imprint, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Meaning that this is not something like Vertigo uh, that they intend to be around forever. So this is a this is an imprint that came up with a very singular vision and a very singular creative um, goal. And when it's run its course, when the stories that it wants to tell are done, then they'll just shut it down. That's um, cool. that, that's a so cool, it That's is, a
3: cool precedent, I think, for. Right. That's really neat. It, I think it really is. And so, yeah.
0: you know, that's what I'm wondering. I, I talked to them, the guys about this. Is this going to be a precedent not only yeah. for DC, but for other publishers as well mm-hmm. to just have a separate imprint for this very specific story or a group of stories that you want to tell that are separate from everything else that you're doing, Right. but you're not necessarily going to commit to it for like, we're not going to have a hundred issues of doom patrol. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the story that they want to tell with these characters at this time is only going to be 20. Right. You know, and that's, that's what they're, they're committing to that type of storytelling here.
3: Right. And also notably, I'm not sure if you mentioned Gerard way is, is, is from My Chemical Romance from the band.
0: He is. That's how. That's how he has um, like millions of Twitter followers and rabid teenage screaming girls following him everywhere. He is. <laughs> he was the lead singer um, of My Chemical Romance, and he uh, he basically the the band broke up I think in two thousand thirteen, mm-hmm. and he
3: went to comics. I think that's know? awesome.
0: You know. Yeah. He he just decided. Um, that's. It's I'm done with music, I guess. <laughs> I mean I, 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 I don't really know his, his reasons. I don't know his right. I haven't read up that much on him, but he uh, you know, he, he had incredible success with this band. They yeah. were around for I think more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Um he had incredible success with them. Uh, And then he just decided for his reasons that, you know, okay, this part of my life is going to be done for, you know, whatever reason he felt. And now I'm going to devote myself to this other thing that I love, and that's writing. And so he he jumped into comics and he made uh, a huge splash with the Umbrella Academy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was the book that really, you know. I think at first people were like, oh, it's this musician who wants to write, you know. But then the Umbrella Academy came out and people re- read it. And <laughs> yeah. like, this guy's oh, legit. Like <laughs> th- this musician can write. <laughs> yeah. and it's really good. Um, and so he's he's done a bunch of different stuff. Uh, he's written a lot of different books. And uh, so, yeah, the uh, Doom Patrol is – he's writing it. Nick Darrington, who I also talked to at New York with him, uh, he's doing the art. Um by all accounts, uh, of the four launch titles for Young Animal, Doom Patrol is the weirdest. Uh, <laughs> if you've read it, you know what I mean. But it is it. If you just read the first issue by itself, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, it's 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 off the wall um, weirdness. <laughs> uh, but it's it it shows incredible. I mean, it's beautifully beautifully drawn. Right. Nick does an amazing job with the art. Awesome. Um, And you can't fault it for not being well-written either. I mean, it's weirdness aside, it's incredibly well-written, and uh, I'm really excited to see where it goes.
3: All right, so we're going to go play that interview for you right now. Well, wait a minute. before We're not going to go play the interview for you right now. I know.
0: uh, Eat on the record time. We should say one thing about what you're about to hear. Yes. So I didn't notice until after (laughs) the fact. This um, many times when you do interviews, you're either sitting at like somebody's artist alley table or you're sitting in a small conference room that's got that's secluded from everybody else. This was just in the D.C. booth, which is not the D.C. booth at New York is not on the main exhibit hall floor. It's it's very it's separated. So it's not as loud as the main exhibit hall, but it's in a very huge space. So there's a lot of echo. But that's not the problem. What I noticed after the fact was that we must have been positioned either right next to or right beneath the air conditioning. So what you're about to hear is our talk, and it sounds fantastic, but it kind of sounds like we're outside. We're not. We're just standing too close to an air conditioning (laughs) machine, to to, um, the vent. So you'll hear it sounds like breeze coming across the microphone <laughs> it was just the incredibly frigid air blowing us right there in the face so
3: for that I, th- I apologize here i thought you decided to meet in central park and have a conversation <laughs> <laughs> so
0: for the for the indoor javits center new york comic con wind tunnel i apologize but please do listen because uh it's an amazing chat that i had i had with the guys
3: all right perfect so now we're gonna go play the interview for you right
0: yes now, now we can- <laughs> Uh, first of all, thank you guys for taking the time to talk. No problem. Um, Doom Patrol has gone through a lot of changes over the years. It's gone through a lot of team members. It's, decades. Um, decades. Uh, probably no one team has been the same as another. So when you guys first sat down to think about this and put the team together, like, what was your approach? Did you have any, like, okay, these are mandatory or these are off the table kind of, kind of thinking?
1: I think anybody that... Anybody that wasn't in the original 60s series or in Grant's run, um, I wasn't thinking about too much, you know? Um, And I was more connected to Grant's run in the 90s, so I was leaning on those characters heavily. I mean, in in a lot of ways, you know, when I was just dreaming it up Doom Patrol years ago, like, it was just kind of like fan fiction based off the characters that Grant had in there. And then as it became a more serious job I started to look at all the eras and and uh but you gotta have Robot Man you gotta have Negative Man those are probably the ones you have to have like eventually you have to have Rita and you have to have Niles Calder I think I think those characters are always should be Doom Patrol characters and then we got to get some new ones and then there'll be some characters that that yeah, were from Rachel Pollock's run that show up and you know Giffen's run and even Burns run I bet will you know even though that was a racial continuity or something like yeah
0: did, did you have any any characters or like maybe not even a character just like a direction you you were thinking of like you know we, we don't want to tread
2: familiar ground kind of thing yeah well it was fun because like when I came on project um, I had never read the the Grant Morrison run uh, so I actually read that all in one weekend uh, but I have been a huge fan of the 60s stuff uh, the Arnold Drake and Bruno Brumiani work. Um, so I brought a huge fandom of that material into this project. Um, but yeah, like when, when we when you were first talking about it, like like my original sketch was just, uh, of, of Cliff Steele, robot man in that nineties costume. And when they saw that, they're like, all right, I guess we're keeping that nineties costume. That looks really cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been real, uh, Goosey Goosey. But yeah, some of the new characters I can't wait to get to. Yeah. Like Lucius is going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, Lucius is very exciting. Um, You know. When,
0: um, when when we're talking about the young animal imprint in general, what was your approach when you were putting together the books? Like in terms of 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 what characters were on the table and then when you started thinking about creative teams, like how did you narrow down the list of who you wanted to have on what book and just who you wanted involved in general? Uh,
1: Well, you know, I knew that I knew that Young Animal was going to share some of its DNA with 90s Vertigo, and uh, everything was built around me writing Doom Patrol. That was the general idea before anybody else was brought in. Um, and then I was like, all right, great, well, let's, then, let's, let's bring in Shade because that was important in the 90s, but let's change Shade, and then it was like, okay, now let's get characters that make it different than Vertigo, so that's where Cave comes from and Mother Panic, a book being set in Gotham, is not something they would have really had back in the day at Vertigo. So so then that was, and then it was about, once the tones of the books were figured out mostly, or the core concepts, then we just started to look for people. And, you know, it was the people that had the most passion for these books that we ended up going with. Uh, and Shelley was very instrumental, Shelley Bond was very instrumental in putting these teams together, you know. Yeah. Um, and she had reached out to Nick, and that, that was the first team we got put together, and that felt really easy. And you know, it just worked immediately. And then slowly we started to put the others together, and they all fell into place. Nice, nice.
0: When I, uh, when I saw you in San Diego, you had said that one of the pushes, aside from just great storytelling, one of the pushes is gonna to be to get people back into buying individual issues. Yes. Um, and, you know, you, things that, you know, like the, the PLOA cover of, yeah. of Doom Patrol. How else are you, are you planning to do that? How else? Because going to the trade has been, that's the direction people have been going. Yeah. And I, I love that you're trying to get people back into the issues. I'm just curious what you're thinking. You know,
1: it, you know aside from, and I don't, want, I don't want that factor to solely rely on just gimmicks. So what it really is starting to become about is, like, how can we make the back matter really important as well? And maybe there's things you get that are different in the single issues than from when they'll be reprinted. We're we're not, you know, right now everything's kind of breakneck, and we're like trying to keep up. So uh, I think there's a
2: social aspect to to, to the monthly comic format, or it's like you and your relationship with your comic shop, and yeah. and and like when you buy a comic on a monthly basis, you're living with it. Um, which I think is real nice, uh, especially if we have four books. Are they going to come out one every week? Is it going to come yeah. out that yeah, way? Yeah. I think it's seven. So it. yeah, every week you're going to have a new Young Animal thing to enjoy, and yeah. if you wait for the trade, it just becomes like this thing you do every couple times a year. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to live with Young Animal, it's it's there for it right, right yeah. for you. It's kind of cool. So it's like it's like having a weekly TV show that you can enjoy.
0: Yeah. Uh, Aside from Doom Patrol, which which of the books are you guys most excited about?
1: I mean you know it's it's hard to say that i, I mean i'm because i'm genuinely excited about all of them for because they're all so different from each other you know like we got your fingerprints all over them. All yeah all over all stuff. of them yeah, you yeah. know even though like once we selected yeah, yeah, the teams i'm really just there to add guidance to stuff like mother panic and shade like i let the teams steer the ship and yeah. the edit- editorial teams i weigh in on everything i see everything every step of the way um so I'm really just excited for them to see all of them see where they're heading. Like, they all get more interesting as they go on, too. All of them. Yeah.
2: I would hope so. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Uh,
0: DC has been calling this a, a pop-up imprint. Um, first of all, how is that different from something like Vertigo?
1: I think a pop-up imprint, in theory, is something that you don't know how long it's going to be around for. I yeah. think... I think it's, it's a commitment that is not 100% committal, and I think in a good way, because I think things should have endings. I think things that have endings are good. I think when things go too long, if it was like, this is a new imprint, it's going to be around forever, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, the world moves too fast these days. Let's just focus on what we're doing right now, not what we're going to do 20 years from now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's and it's and new, and it's cool. I, I had originally brought up the notion of a pop-up imprint to Jim, and that's how it got coined, because I said, hey, if you do this with me, you can do this with other people, and that could be pretty cool. So I really was just doing it to open the door for, let's say, anybody. Like, you know, if all of a sudden Joe Hill wants to do, he wants to curate four books. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was, I was actually curious about that. Are you hoping that this could open the door to, like, or, or just set a precedent for, you know, maybe beyond DC, too, just to, to inspire other publishers or other creators within DC to to sort of follow in your footsteps and do the same thing?
2: Well, I think the power of a pop-up imprint like this, too, is that it's, like, an easy way for a new reader to jump in. Because it's not, I mean, it's only, yeah, we're using DC characters, but... Don't, it's not connected to any of the events or the, the baggage of keeping up with a thousand characters and a thousand years of DC history yeah. uh, and making that all work at all. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can come in blind and have fun.
1: Yeah, I think it will inspire, like, you know, even Dark Horse has the verse, you know, and I think there are a lot, a lot of powerful creators out there that could curate their own imprint and have their world like Mark Millar has Millarverse or World or whatever he calls it. You know, so you do see these things, uh, but you know, you usually see them in a creator-owned capacity. You've yet to really see one in a, you know, in a non-creator-owned thing. Yeah. So, I think it'll be fun. Like, I would love to see what somebody's take is on DC Universe. That's not me. I'd love yeah. to see their take. You know, are
0: you are you enjoying your role as like? Breaking out from not just being a writer, you know, now you're a you're you're the you're the puppet master. All,
1: you know? I, I I I am enjoying it tremendously. It's really teaching me a lot. I really feel like I'm a huge part of comics now, which is it's just really nice. You know, it's very rewarding. Yeah. Have you uh, have you found that that
0: is your process different now, now that the books are coming out, you know, now that the world is reading them and you're getting reviews and you're getting this feedback, you know, and you're, I don't know how many books ahead you are, but right. you know, for up until now, it's sort of, and you've been creating and just generating the buzz, but, Oh, know, for sure.
2: Yeah. Well, it's something we, we, I mean, we're, we're talking about this book every day, all day with each other and like, we've been working on it nine months now? Yeah. Ahead sure. of it. And like, so yeah, we, we, we you kind of get caught in your own weird feedback loop and you don't know. If you're doing something that's actually awesome or you're just like dwelling your own madness. And now that like the reviews are overall positive, we're like, okay, we're not crazy. People are grooving on what we're grooving on. And and they're getting it the way we were, what we're trying to get across. And so it's very validating.
1: Yeah, that's been nice to see people get it the way we intended, whether they like it or not. They (laughs) still understand what we were going for and they get it, you know.
0: Are you guys thinking beyond these four books, or or is this going to be it for now?
1: Not, not currently. Right now, we're focused on the four books and making sure that those are just always changing, always exciting. If if there's any new characters or uh, other DC characters, I would rather at this point bring them into the current books than give them their own book. You know, Um, but you know, we're always thinking about the future. Because comics are hard. Comics are hard. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Thank you guys so much.
3: Well, that's it for this week on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Fantastic interview, and it sounds like you it's, have so much fun going to these things.
0: they're exhausting, but they're a lot of fun. This year, I made a, uh, an effort to not spend like four solid days at right. the con. Yeah. So I was by myself in New York. The family didn't come. Mm-hmm. And um, Saturday, I had a panel. It's like four o'clock in the afternoon. So I had basically the whole day free. So I said, you know what? I'm just not going to go in the morning. I have so much other time there to see and do everything that I need to do. Um, And so I just I did stuff by myself in the city that I haven't had a chance to do before. And 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 it's hard when you're in
3: a city like New York, like you like you want to be there for the for the for the conference and the show that you're there for. But you're like, I'm in New York. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I got to go do stuff.
0: Exactly. So like every time we go up, like with the kids or whatever, I've always wanted to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm -hmm. And for one reason or another, we just never have We've done other stuff with the kids or we just didn't have time to get down there. And so I was staying down in lower Manhattan this time. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. So I just walked over and I walked across the bridge and then walked back across the Manhattan Bridge, which is right next to it. And tootled around Chinatown for a bit and did a lot of walking. When you walked across the
3: bridge, did you go on the carousel? The carousel. There's a, there's a carousel down close to the bridge.
0: There's a carousel down right next to the river. Um, It's kind of – it's not directly beneath, but there, it's right next to the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. And I thought about it. I wanted to get down there. Yeah. But there's no – on that side, because that's the Brooklyn side, yeah. there's no way to – like go straight down uh, like there's not okay. a like stairwell that yeah. goes down closer to the river so you have to actually walk the bridge all the way to the end right. and by the time you get to the end of the bridge where you can turn around and come back yep. you're you're pretty far from the river uh, and okay. I, I i debated walking back but then i was like oh, i gotta walk there just and then i've go got go to walk to all the, the way carousel.
3: back so, yeah. <laughs> just to
0: go and i wasn't gonna ride it because i didn't yeah. have my kids
3: yeah uh,
0: so no i skipped the
3: carousel but i did see it from above and took pictures cool. of it there's a great pizza place. Not that this matters, but there's a great pizza place down there, too. Called, I think it's Grimaldi's. I think it's called. Correct me if and I'm wrong, listeners.
0: Great big New York podcast. Yes. <laughs>
3: Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I think that's where Grimaldi's is. I, that's what I hear. I'm not sure. Good Brooklyn pizza? Yes. Good Brooklyn pizza. Awesome. Right. So if you want to get in touch with us, let us know your favorite Brooklyn pizza spots. <laughs> twitter at the gbb podcast and facebook.com slash the gbb podcast and you can also give us a call
0: you can give us a call at 301-825-5653 leave us a message tell us we're great tell us we suck we'll use whatever you leave on the show
3: and you know what we'll take itunes reviews too you know hey those are good too whatever you want to ditch you know
0: (laughs) we're not going to be too uh too choosy
3: (laughs) exactly Alright guys, I'm Justin at 140 Justin C.
0: And I'm Jamie at the Robots.
3: And we will see you next time on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.